Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, it's Dave here. This is my wife, Kathy. Hello. This is The Cinemile, the podcast where we walk home from the movies. And this is our end-of-year movie roundup our best films of 2023 Uh, as always there will be no spoilers for any of these movies Um, we are going to go through our top five lists which neither of us are familiar with the others lists we keep them very top secret yes we will count down five to one in terms of our best movies of the year and top secret lists lists that are very much subjective to us what we've seen this year what we've liked this year you know we watch a lot of movies for like normal people but compared to people who professionally review movies as their full-time job we don't see a patch of them yeah we haven't seen all the movies okay and i was looking at the you know i was looking at some other top films of the list of the year and i was like particularly the guardians top 50 of the year i was like i didn't um i hadn't seen about 40 of them and about 30 of them I'd never even heard of <laughs> so like we are not yeah we're a film podcast but we're just we're really basic bitches we're mainstream boring people we, this, this, and you're going to know from listening to my list pretty much <laughs> um, so that that's where we stand and also look these are our subjective opinions so please don't don't at me when I make the, the crazy decisions I'm going to make <laughs> in my top five list and then the other categories we will have is honourable mentions uh, best cinema experience a new category introduced this year best scene and we will have most disappointing and of course everyone's favorite list the worst of the year and hopefully you will take from all of this discussion uh, kind of pointers on things to watch that you maybe have watched already um, and it's a bit of fun and at the end of this episode you will hear from our patrons some of whom have sent us their best and worst of the year so hopefully you'll get more recommendations from that as well and now before we get into our top five list we do want to talk about a little bit about the year in cinema and what's happened at movies and of course, we have to begin with the cultural phenomenon that was Barbenheimer. Yeah, Barbenheimer. I mean, this is the this is the this was the biggest event in in movies this year and in cinema, right? It's like cinema is going through a really rough patch, I think, right now with you know writers and actors strikes, like like uh, real studios and creative disputes and and benching, um, you know, cre- HBO like just shelving things that have been completed as tax write-offs. Well, like, also when that like people, uh, particularly younger audiences are like even moving away from TV viewing and really focusing on like phone screen viewing so it's hard to get bums on seats at cinemas exactly but then Barbenheimer came along and just surprised everyone by becoming this like organic cultural juggernaut of an event um, where two movies just like so 
like this is just perfect like like um, you couldn't plan this type of marketing mm. right um, and in fact they did try to replicate and, and, and plan this afterwards with Saw and Paw Patrol by Saw Patrol but just <laughs> felt so contrived and manufactured Barbenheimer was just such a, a, a runaway like success we both went on the same day and had an amazing time it was great to see our local cinema busier than it's ever been everyone dressed up and also on top of it all they were two great films yeah, like they were so good and what was fascinating is this helped them both and like traditionally studios would try and not have movies coming out on the same day because naturally they would say people have limited time and money and aren't going to go and see both Barb and I helped them both but mostly helped Oppenheimer actually to become more financially successful than it would have otherwise become which I think is fascinating um, and it was just so lovely to see such a buzz about going to the cinema people getting dressed up to go to the cinema people wearing costumes the whole thing and for anyone who's interested in such things Barbenheimer by far the biggest cinema episode of the year it'll be interesting to see if this tops it because usually this is our biggest episode of the year um, the nothing, other will, thing, nothing will dethrone Barbenheimer <laughs> Dave wants to talk about the decline of superhero movies Dave I have in your notes here The Flash The Marvels Shazam 2 Blue Beetle Quantumania Go. We, should, we should say we're, we're driving we're just going to drive for a little bit we're driving to a lovely beach destination although it is raining um, <laughs> so I can't look at my notes so thanks Cathy uh, yeah look I think that's just a segue from Barbie Barbie was the number one film of the year at the box office which nobody saw coming I think I think it's fair to say I think uh, I, I think we all thought Barbie would be like a, a, a really I, I expected it to be a really good film I, like, I trusted Greta Gerwig uh, I thought it would have like a real legs in terms of sort of a pop culture and online culture. I did not anticipate this, and most people didn't. It becoming the number one movie of the year, and we are in we're in a state of flux now, where you know um, that is a runaway success. All of the superhero movies that were released this year, I think, besides Guardians of the Galaxy um, and Spider Verse really just underperformed some of them underperformed so massively like there, there are crisis meetings happening at both MCU uh, the, the MCU and DC also had a terrible year with Shazam Blue Beetle now they have already they're probably sitting a bit prettier because they brought James Gunn in to, and they've already decided to wipe the slate clean Marvel, Aquaman has just come out and is bombing already yeah that's bombing as well Like, but Marvel are in real trouble you know the, for, for a, a, a studio that I have you know had a lot of time for and have really enjoyed the output from like they are in crisis the quality is not good the, quant- the, quant- the quantity went up the quality went down like they had just had some bad movies Quantumania was bad uh, the TV stuff was bad um, and the Marvels then- the Marvels though I do want to say performed the worst ever opening for a Marvel movie um, but it is worth noting that that was in the midst of the actors strike so they got none of the publicity yeah. that they would have gotten and I think it got unfairly kind of I think it got unfair headlines around that worst opening ever and it's like well yeah there was no one around to promote it and I think that wasn't taken into context where Quantumania the the word of mouth killed it like it just was not getting good reviews. yeah 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 and deservedly so yeah. but just to say I think this is an interesting transition audiences are also just over the superhero thing and, and I think studios were in a, just getting lazy just throw throw any old name up you know as long as there's a cape in it people will show up like Black Adam or last year or whatever it's just like we're past that now people will only reward quality I think Spider-Verse did, did even better than expected at the box office incredibly high quality movie but this is I think like like I'm I'm done now with superheroes as, a, as an audience member I'm happy for uh, something else to take over is the, and that is that going to be 
10 years of toy movies I don't think so I, I hope think, not I think that's what Hollywood wants it to be you know but like just give us good movies with good stories that's yeah. all we're asking for it does not have to be based on a toy or a comic book now we are going to get into uh, finally we want to talk about just briefly the actors and writers strike of course that had huge you know ripple effect on Hollywood as I mentioned it affected movies like the Marvels but it also meant a lot of movies that should have come out this year were moved into next year Dune part 2 yeah. probably biggest one there's going to be a lot of movies coming out next year because of it um, and it kind of Luckily for Barbie, um, they were done with their press tour when this happened because I think phenomenal marketing and marketing at Barbie's end with like Margot Robbie, um, Ryan Gosling, the whole crew, America Ferrara, they were just out there pushing this movie like nobody's business and like studios know that like the biggest marketing tool at their disposal is social media accounts of celebrities who've got millions of followers. And, uh, yeah, but I, also that... that, that was the best marketing campaign of the year they yeah. were doing sponsored deals with brands it was everywhere, it was and, everywhere. and good good marketing but for smaller movies you know a lot of them got lost because they couldn't promote it um, like for example Flora and Son or Faux their movies that got completely lost um, so anyway writer's strike actor's strike we support uh, workers right to unionise we're absolutely thrilled that they negotiated better deals for themselves and now on to our top five list of the year I'm going to start to let's do it alright take us away what's your number five Cathy so my number five best movie of the year is a movie that I just watched in the last week uh, but I've been excited for for a long time and I watched it without Dave so sorry Dave I couldn't wait to watch it with you it is Saltburn oh I can't wait to see this and look to be fair you did ask me for permission to watch this by yourself you were you you know you texted me and said can I do you mind if I watch Saltburn without you and I and I I thought it might get on your list and I didn't have time to watch it so look I, I never, and by the way that's how you that's how you need to do this in, in a relationship by the way you must always you must always seek the permission of your spouse if you both want to watch something <laughs> never go behind their back and like Dave knows if it was like a comic book movie he can watch it without me yeah. if it was if you watched Saltburn without me I'd kill you anyway I was so excited for Saltburn so Emerald Fennell the director um, she created and made uh, Promising Young Women which was, I think, my number one film the year it came out. Absolutely phenomenal uh, piece of work, a feminist piece of work, and, you know, speaks to misogyny and rape culture, and it was just quite a film. Um, this, I was expecting her le- her next piece of work, because you often pigeonhole directors, and I admit I did it too, I expected it to be kind of a strongly feminist uh, film again. I am so shocked and surprised and thrilled for her that she's done something completely different because I think it's a really good thing not to pigeonhole yourself as a director and what she's done with um, Saltburn is create uh, something that I can only describe as uh, the talented Mr. Ripley kind of meets you season four if I was to be derivative about it. I don't, I don't want to give away the plot because Dave hasn't seen it and lots of people haven't seen it because it just came out on Amazon Prime and had a limited cinema release earlier this year. Um, it stars Barry Keoghan who is one of my favourite actors and this is his first ever starring role. Did you know that Dave? Oh, hard to believe. Yeah, he's a phenomenal... He feels like he's everywhere. He is, but he's always like a really strong yeah. supporter and this was his kind of first lead. And... Um, Great year for Irish actors as well, we should say. Yeah, great year for Irish actors. Another great year. Um, and he's already now up for a Golden Globe for this. Um, he turns quite the performance in. Uh, it's really something to behold. There are so many... Like, if you remember Promising Young Women has so many kind of really visually stimulating montages and a lot going on. This film kind of takes that up a notch. Um, there's just absolutely iconic scenes of the year. Like, uh, one involving a bathtub one involving a grave, 
one involving uh, Barry Keoghan um, referring to himself as a vampire. Uh, it's really out there. Like a lot of people don't like this film, and I like understand the criticisms of it. Um, people think it's very shallow or it's not really ma- uh, giving a message. But I don't care because what I liked about it was that it was just like a really good fun, a really good visual, and uh, I just had a lot of fun with it. And I think don't take it too seriously and put it on an Amazon Prime and maybe just like don't watch it with like kids or parents I would say um, and yeah that's my number five of the year who's Salt watching Burn. this with their kids you mean grown up kids well some of our listeners said they watch it with their own kids and I was like I can't believe you do that um, anyway that is my number five of the year Saltburn uh, on Amazon Prime now we are going to take a quick break because we are just arriving at our destination and then we will be back with Dave's top uh, Dave's number five and the rest of the list yes see you in a second bye when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, hi, we're back. We are uh, out for a walk along the, the beautiful beach of uh, Ardmore, County Waterford. We've just taken a lovely selfie, by the way, if you want to go see the sunset on our Instagram, <laughs> at the Cinemile plug. Uh, so, Cathy's number five of the year, Salt Burn, available on Prime Video. Now, I really struggled with my top five this year because I had eight movies that any of them could have been in the top five. And this, there was a real battle uh, for the fifth spot here between four movies and, and I really actually feel sad that the other three didn't make it however all. I'm presuming they'll be on your honourable mentions oh naturally they're the top of the honourable mentions right, list okay. but what I chose to put here is All of Us Strangers the movie by uh, written and directed by Andrew Haig uh, based on a novel uh, by Taicha Yamada and this is a beautiful beautiful movie um, with I think probably the best ensemble cast of the year. Tough competition. Incredible cast. But it's an it's a great cast. Another more another year of the Irish actors again. Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal, along with Jamie Bell and Claire Foy. Um, I I'm, I'm gonna like broadly speak to the plot of this movie. If you don't want to know anything about this, which is I, how I would recommend viewing it, I would say just please go watch this movie, seek it out, and skip ahead about a minute but I'm going to describe the, the general plot of this movie which is revealed in the trailer and in the synopsis and I think of the it's movie. just coming into cinemas now because we watched it at the Cork International Film Festival yes. so it will be in cinemas now for people listening yes it is but but basically the plot of this movie is um, Andrew Scott plays a, a very lonely screenwriter who um, is able to uh, reconnect with his um, his dead parents as if they were his age now that's, that's, I've described that very badly. But he's he's able to visit his childhood home and his parents, who died when he was a child, are there and he's able to converse with them and visit them. And that's a really interesting idea yeah. and concept. Um, and the movie explores that along with his sort of um, um, uh, 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 interactions with the other character, Paul Mescal. And it is just, just a, a beautiful portrayal of uh, loneliness and longing um, and and I mean that is such it's such an incredible concept and I, I, lo- I lost my father three years ago and I was very fortunate that I you know he, he had a long illness and we were able to have every conversation and moment 
that you would want to have with with a, with um, a loved one before he passed away. But I, you know, when when you look at this situation, just two parents being unexpectedly taken away from a child, and that that concept of everything that in your life that they missed, that you wanted to share from them, that mm -hmm. you wanted to get from them, and all of that is explored so beautifully throughout the course of this movie. Jamie Bell and Claire Foy playing his parents. There are so many touching scenes in here which just just destroyed me. Um, and it, it, if Andrew Scott isn't nominated or should probably win Best Actor next year, it's a really tough competition though with Killian Murphy and well, all the other Irish Globes, actors. We've got three Irish actors nominees, right? You've got Barry Kogan for Best Actor. We've got Andrew Scott and we've got Killian Murphy. That's quite a high That's uh, great. strike rate. They're all fantastic. Yeah. And, but um, and this is Andrew Scott's movie, and uh, he is. This is, the, I think, the best performance he's ever given. It is so. AKA that you've ever seen him give. That I've ever seen him give. Yes. <laughs> um, but it is just quiet and 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 beautiful and sad and touching and and. This is a fantastic film and everybody should see it. That is my number five of the year. Brilliant. Great choice. All of us strangers. Kathy. My number four of the year is a movie that we watched during the summer, I think on Disney Plus, but we actually never recorded an episode on, which does happen um, from time to time. Sorry guys that you know we cheat on you and watch the <laughs> recording episodes. And this was Rye Lane. Oh yes, uh, yes. Absolutely brilliant entry into the rom-com genre. Uh, it's a British film. It's set in South London. The director herself has called it a love letter to South London. Um, and it is directed by Rain Allen Miller. So it's her directorial debut. So second female director on my list. Hugely uncommon, by the way. Um, and she's a black British uh, director. This film is so weird and it took me a little bit of a while to get into how it looks. A lot of it's shot in kind of like a fish, fish eye, fish eye, whatever that's called. Which also, poor things came out this year as well. Also a lot of fish yeah, eye. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and Rylane is, uh, I think visually inspired and I think the director referenced like some peep show stuff. Um, it's a very British film. It's very romantic. So I think like for me, when you're talking about romantic comedies, you want romance in them. This definitely has it. It's very funny. I was laughing out loud. Oh, it's a great I script. I really liked the actors in it. Um, David Johnson and Vivian Opora. Um, and it was a feature directorial debut. Like it's unbelievable to come out with a film like this. Um, and it's an independent movie and I absolutely loved it. So I recommend anyone who's interested in rom-coms, London, watching something a bit different that plays around with how the film looks. Um, I totally recommend Rylane and I absolutely loved it this year. Is this the best rom-com of the year? Well, it's the only rom-com in my top five. I wrote down, I've got, Spoilers. no, I've got another one. Ooh, okay. Uh, I've got, no, I've got a few in my honorable mentions. Um, right, yes, I love that as well. Rylane, fantastic film. That's available now on Disney Plus, right, you said? I think, or Hulu in the States. Or something like that. Yeah, 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 all right. Uh, right, my number four. It's getting windier. Of the year is something that really hurt me to put it here because I <laughs> kind of thought it should be higher I kind of wanted it to be higher but there was some stiff competition but a Spider-Man across Ooh. the Spider-Verse I thought that was going to be your number one yeah and I think any other year it would be my number one and in fact has been your number one before it was my number one in 2018 the first f film um, and I'll say well, I'll address the reason why it's not number one firstly there's three other films this year which were just for me brilliant um, secondly, the um, it was a bit soured the behind the scenes of this movie, unfortunately, by 
a very good article by uh, writer Chris Lee in Vulture this year, um, which sort of spoke about the very unfortunate uh, working conditions of the animators behind this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, up to a hundred animators left or walked out during the process of this movie. Many said that the working practices were uh, just unsustainable and grueling. Um, yeah, it's a very good. Unfortunately, my hero, um, Phil Lord, who is the writer and producer of this movie. Uh, well, no, I, I, I still think it does, it's, it's interesting. I, I recommend everybody to go read the article. I'm not going to get into uh, the details of it, but there's nothing malicious in it. He's not, he's not like a, um, a James Cameron where it's just a dickhead shouting at people. <laughs> it's not that. It's an interesting. It just seems that he is d- d- disorganized. Or he, his his working process is is not suited to animation, unfortunately, where it's about trialing things. Let's see it. Let's tweak it. And unfortunately, this process of constantly tweaking and tweaking things, it it it, it works. It produces successful, incredible things that film. have been fine tuned. To and it is the product, the output. You cannot argue with the output of this movie. It is fantastic. But what it means is that hundreds of animators are rendering and finishing things and then some of it's just getting thrown out or they have to start again or just this like this is a wider problem with the whole industry the VFX yes. industry but, but that but if that wasn't an issue behind this film though would this film be higher up your list um no yeah that's not that's not the other that's not the main reason because I'm trying to judge the work for the work like, but I have to acknowledge list? I have to acknowledge that that's soured I'm going to speak about why I love it in a right, second okay. but I'm I, you, you asked why it's not number one I have okay. to explain okay so that is that uh, that that is not that has not impacted the work. The work, the output of this movie is fantastic, and I love it. But the other thing is, this is half a movie. Yeah. And we got a lot that of. That was really annoying. We got a lot of part ones this year. It became a real trend, and and I found them all incredibly irritating. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, and so I can't. You know, the, Into the Spider Verse had a fantastic and satisfying third act. And this movie does not have a third act. This is a lot of first acts and a lot of second acts, which are all incredible, but it's just missing the payoff. And so, and, and I'm sure when this all comes together and if you could treat two and three, which is probably going to be dated by years now because of all this, um, then then I w- then it will be a, a singular masterpiece. And but we did do a, like that, a really detailed review of this earlier in the year on the feet. But that is holding it back for me, yes. But the things I love about it, yeah. They, what they, This movie not only... Like it, it, this, Into the Spider Verse revolutionised animation, and we saw the the sort of other studios trying to catch up with it this year with Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, both kind of picking up that baton and trying to do a similar style successfully, yeah. and I think they have completely transformed animation. Um, so how do you improve on that? Right, where do you go? But they fucking did because they they widened the scope without losing any of the character study the the emotion this movie is potentially even more emotional than the the first one i thought it was so beautiful the visuals are even more insane there's more worlds there's more spider men and women who were all so interesting it's there's the only interesting use of the multiverse left i think it's the best multiverse yeah. thing to get we're all sick of multiverses but it, this is the it, original it, it and works best in this one. yeah um because it's not just the same actor playing the same character no, exactly like it's just different it, it's animated it takes an obscure spider-man villain puts him front and center makes him comedic at the beginning and he's ridiculous and hilarious and then makes him threatening like this movie is 
absolutely fantastic. I love it. It hurts me that I couldn't put it higher, but that's I'm it. Sorry that's where Spider-Man is. I pres- just presumed it was your number one all year. But there are only, I will say, there is a very few films, and I'll talk about them all uh, when we've spoken about them all, that I watched twice this year. This was one of them. I bought the Blu-ray. I'll watch it again and again. I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right, okay. Cathy, what's your number three? So, my number three is a movie we have reviewed. Another female director. Like, this is astonishing. I've not done this on purpose. Celine Song directed the movie Past Lives. Oh, yes. Uh, Lovely movie. Absolutely wonderful film. Um, and it follows two childhood friends over the course of, like, 20-plus years. And kind of the nature of their relationship. It explores themes around, like, emigration, culture, your identity, language, relationships. I'm making it sound boring. It isn't. Uh, it's semi-autobiographical, so it's inspired by real events from the director's life. I would say it's like a very romantic film, and it's also very wistful, um, very contemplative. Like, what if you know the the other road not taken? Uh, what happens when you leave somewhere and you move somewhere new, and you think about you know what what would have happened if you'd never left? It's really beautiful. Uh, I love the naughty setting. There's a lot of Skype in this film, which I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just wonderful and I just thought the ending was perfect like really perfect and it's the kind of film that can be hard to nail an ending on and we've done a really big review on it on the feed so you can go back and listen um, but I absolutely loved Past Lives um, it's a stunning film did we do a review on it? we did yeah oh wow uh, absolutely stunning film and it's my number three of the year and how was that her directorial debut as well I her know film, right her feature film Unreal. debut unreal it was only I had made my list and then I was like oh I must go and get the details and all the directors to make sure I have it correctly and realise four and three are directorial debuts oh I love her um, okay number that's uh, Cathy's number three that's Past Lives uh, by director Celine Song so my number three is Dungeons and Dragons Honor <laughs> Among Thieves which is another movie I've watched twice this year and just lo- I love this movie was to not bits. expecting that in your top five really oh my god oh, I, but I loved it too I considered this movie for number one <laughs> I was like and, and if you were to if I was to pick what is the most Dave Corkery film of 2023 the question that, on everyone's lips uh, that this is this is the one uh, but we you know I'm trying to assess not not it's not just my favourite but what's the best what do I think is the best um, and this is your list you can put whatever you want on that's it. true but uh, I mean I did put The Suicide Squad number one a few years ago <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie so much this is the funniest movie it I saw so all year funny. it was so funny the whole cinema was laughing it is so outrageously funny it is entertaining it has some of the best scenes of the year it's got an incredible shapeshifter scene it's got an incredible it's one of the best heist movies I've yeah. seen in a long time it, 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 it picks up um, the, the mechanic from the video game Portal and just takes it and then <laughs> uses it for a heist in some of the most inventive way um, the it is ca- I would class it as a comedy firstly yes but it Fantasy but it is also a successful action event it, yeah. it, it's Guardians of the Galaxy but done better um, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy it's, it's the same it's comedy. the same format uh, Outlaws that's very much a comedy as well like a ragtag group of of people coming together to fight 
Even it's the same but format. But you got Chris Pine, so he's better than Chris Pratt. Yes, it's you, we exactly. We even have it's a Chris. Battle of the Chris's. Yeah, no, this is it, it. It is essentially it is Guardians of the Galaxy. And spoilers. I, I'm just gonna say it now. It's on my honourable mentions because I loved it so much as well. Oh good. It okay. would never crack my top five, but I have to say it's a great film, great it, fun watch. It has a great cast. Chris Pine is, is very charming. Michelle Rodriguez is great but really this the scene stealer was a uh, Regé Jean, Jean Page oh I, I don't know God. how to say his name Bridgerton. From, from Bridgerton who just like I won't say too much he's so, so funny um, but this is clearly it's also I love uh, personally love Dungeons and Dragons and have played it a lot over the past few years this is made by people who get it who love it clearly um, the writer directors John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein John Francis Daly uh, played Dungeons and Dragons for the first ever time while he starred in Freaks and Geeks <laughs> so it's just I love that um, uh, and they just get it it is it is it's a really really great fun action adventure uh, that I would recommend to anybody uh, it's very accessible uh, and that's my number three of the year Wow. Okay. Dungeons and Dragons honor Before among I get to my number two should we get off this beach? Because it's incredibly windy and I feel like we'll not... Oh, no, stand, we'll stand in the face. We'll oh. not make good audio, particularly not you just screaming into the microphone. Yes, apologies yeah. for right, how this probably off. sounds. Gale force winds. So we're going to come back <laughs> for Cathy's number two of the year right after this. Right, we're back. That's a little bit quieter. We've come yeah, off that's the beach. Yeah, much better. Um, sorry, before we get to Cathy's number two, I should say, because in that short period where we turn off the mic, I suddenly had a, a, an image of all the people messaging me saying, what, you think Dungeons & Dragons is better than Spider-Verse, you, you criminal? <laughs> and it, it does, I mean, Spider-Verse probably is no, clearly the better gonna... achievement, but Dungeons & Dragons is a complete movie for me, and that really just clinched it. And I, and anyway, so yeah. sorry, don't at me. Um like there's nothing like there's nothing spoils a movie like knowing you have to wait years for this yeah show. and also this is my list <laughs> okay so my number two of the year is a movie that we saw at the Cork Film Festival again um, I don't think it's out in cinema yet but fuck it, it we saw it this year Poor Things oh. uh, directed well Poor by... Things is also my number two so really? yeah, yeah 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 perfect no synergy way. yeah 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 okay directed by Yorgos Lanthimos um, based on a novel by Alistair Gray uh, and cinematographer, Irishman, Robbie Ryan. Yes. He was there talking about it and we just got a kick out of him being Irish. We're just clearly obsessed with when anyone Irish is, has anything to do with the film. He's, he's got a great fish eye for cinema. <laughs> he does. And in fact, the cinematography is absolutely stunning in this film. Um, well, I'm going first because it's my list. Yes, go. Uh, it stars Emma Stone, who is phenomenal in this film. Um, this is another one that... Sorry, sorry, Cathy, just to say. I would also suggest... Um, don't go, go into this completely blind go like we did blind. my god it's such a fun so experience weird. to discover what it's about it's such a weird film yeah um, but kind of in broad strokes a bit of a Frankenstein's monster plot um, very odd film very quirky um, people got up and left as it was playing while we were in cinema it's very funny it went down very well in an Irish audience who were all laughing I could picture another audience not laughing at all if the vibe was off um, the reason I picked it as my number two now why I placed it so high is it's just quite an astonishing like visual achievement it looked wonderful um, it wasn't filmed like in front of green screen and these really extravagant you know they built really extravagant sets they used LED screens a lot of it looks almost like a painting you've got Willem Dafoe who's like unbelievable in it as basically the Frankenstein character 
Um, you've got Mark Ruffalo, who's so funny. He's such oh, a good yeah. comedic actor. It's just an astonishing film, really. And like, again, I didn't know anything about it before I saw it. And I was like, couldn't believe what I was watching. And I just like, Emma Stone is one of these actresses who, of course, I've always known as a good actress. But she blew me away in this film. She's absolutely incredible in it. Uh, and it's just just mad basically it's like historical fantasy it's absolutely everything in this film it's like steampunk it's like up to a notch of 10 20 30 like everything is just so much more extra than you'd expect it to be quite the raunchy film as well um extra is a great word for it it's just everything about it is unbelievable i don't i, I really enjoyed it i don't think this goes up to 10 i think this isn't there isn't a scale for what <laughs> this film is it's, it's on no register of, of of you can't compare it to anything else and he's a filmmaker who i really like because i loved the lobster we both did when i came out such yes. a cool film i really enjoyed the favorite which i have reviewed on this podcast a couple of years ago uh, he's just an odd he makes odd films and I welcome them and I love them um, Dave I, why is it your number two of the year my god this would have been my number one of the year in fact except I don't think the end is, is as good as it could be or it didn't quite land for me I think it goes in a, a slightly different it takes a little deviation towards the end and then kind of hurriedly rushes it it's, it's finale I didn't find that because it's a very long film I did but I was loving everything else about this this movie is, I, I mean I agree with everything you said um, I will just say Emma Stone though this is this is one of those performances where it, it is just I mean it's it's like being handed she, she must have been like this is I've got so much to work with here this but I think crazy. a lot but, of actors would have turned it down though I don't I think she was willing to put herself in some very awkward positions yeah, it's a risque kind of, kind of role isn't it and otherwise uh, like it I think it takes a brave actor to take on a role like this and then with such relish like she did. But what I loved about it is she she portrays basically a full life. Somebody um, like you're witnessing the, the, the maturity of somebody as they experience the world and as they grow up and she very I think subtly and there's not much that is subtle about this movie <laughs> no but she she and it's a big performance but it, but it becomes very subtle and gradual how how by the end she's this full complete sort of person who what I loved about it is you know this is this isn't a spoiler this is the plot of the movie but she is effectively a character who has it you know a, a child's brain and is experiencing the world with the kind and, and asking the kind of questions that our children ask us all the time but in a grown-up's body that's a really interesting concept and it becomes very uncomfortable and twisted in places but that is such a fascinating lens to view society and i know this is a, a weird steampunk version of society but she the, the way and this is what i liked about um yorgos lanthimos's film the lobster as well he does the same thing he sort of just holds up the, a concept that we all take for complete granted like people being in relationships and then puts a little twist on it and then suddenly you're looking at it very differently thinking huh that is kind of stupid the way we think <laughs> about things so that's what I like about him he's he's a very accessible filmmaker but he's tackling big questions and, and he's he, a real uh, marmite though I think people love or hate his films yeah. and we just happen to be on the love side and I get it I mean I get I understand why anybody would walk out from this movie <laughs> but also I will say don't be you know don't be put off because it seems like sort of weird out there art house movie this, this is one of the funniest films you'll see this year it's it like began, I have the to say, writing is so sharp and weird the first like 10 minutes I hilarious. was like we've made a terrible mistake 
I'm not going to enjoy this film. Yeah. It's, it's Emma Stone weird. Like, playing a piano with her feet. It's too weird. And at yeah. the start, I was like, oh my God, this is awful. And then I just fell in love with it and I just embraced it. So yeah, just put aside fears for the first few minutes and I promise it will get good. Yeah, please do. Please do seek it out. It's poor, poor things. Okay. Both of our number twos. Now I'm confused because when you did, I thought you were going to have this as your number one. Um, when you didn't have Spider-Verse. Okay, so my number one is... Drum roll. Can I guess? No. Okay. Because that makes for terrible audio. Okay, go. A film that's already been mentioned. Unlike this silence. All of Us Strangers. Oh, Andrew Hay, fantastic. Starring Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal is my number one movie of the year. Um, right. Everything you said about it, of course, is what's interesting, but that is not why I was interested in it. This film is the biggest thirst trap I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the imagery of Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott before it came out was enchanting. I could not wait to see them. Enchanting. I couldn't wait for their chemistry. That all delivered in spades. They're both phenomenal. I love to see them on screen together. I now love the fact that the strike's over and I'm watching videos of them online doing interactive stuff and I just love to see it. Uh, their chemistry is unbelievable. Um, why it's my number one film is the feeling I had in the cinema watching this where I just thought this is such incredible filmmaking all the stuff you talked about grief and loss was really profound there's a lot about loneliness and then I guess what struck me the most about it is it's a character it's set now but the character is like revisiting his childhood and he's gay and it you know when you reflect on and Andrew Haig has talked about this in interviews the absolute homophobia that existed in the 80s in England and a lot of it in direct response to the AIDS crisis. It was a really tough time to be a young gay boy, right? Coming to terms with his identity and then to lose his parents, but to kind of know that if he had come out, they probably wouldn't have been happy about it. That's all very profound. Yes, um, yeah, he never, he, ne he never allows his own uh, sort of uh, w whether or not it's a it's a fantasy or if it's really happening not it never it feels quite within the lines of his own expectations of his exactly. parents exactly like he has he internalised homophobia because yeah. of the time he grew up exactly um, so I found that all really resonant uh, Andrew Haig is a, a director who worked on a show that Dave and I both loved which was Looking yes which great show around um, a group of gay friends who lived in San Francisco um, so I was when I heard he was involved in this film, on top of the whole Paul Mescal, Andrew Scott thing, I was so interested in it. So I think there's loads of like lenses to view the film from, whether it's like grief, loss, it's like coming of age, it's relationship drama. And then it's really fantastical as well. Um, and it's like a bit of a ghost story. There's just so much going on. And then the, just the visual, like the feeling I had of watching and I thought it was so beautiful. I thought the music was incredible. A lot of brilliant 80s music. Um, and I just, you can't put Paul Mescal in a film and me not love it. Like he just, like I know Andrew Scott's a star and he's amazing and it's his film because he's out and out the star of it. But every time Paul Mescal's on screen, it's just like, oh yeah, he's hip, hypnotic for want of a better word. And I just love to see it. Uh, I love to see them together. I thought Claire Foy and um, Jamie Bell were brilliant as well. It's a really interesting film because it's just like a forehander. Like it's almost like a play. There's only four characters in it. It could be a play. And the director, Andrew Haig, actually went back and shot it in his old childhood home. Yes. Which oh. is so cool. Uh, and I love, I just love, it's kind of an eerie film as well. Like there's so much going on, it's so atmospheric. Anyway, it's my number one film of the year. As we mentioned already, it's literally, I think, just come out in cinemas. Run, don't walk to go and see it. And I think uh, it's wonderful to see a gay relationship on screen like this. And like a friend of ours, Nick, 
was talking to him about it and how much I, I couldn't wait to go and see it. And he was saying he was kind of fearful because he remembered sitting in the audience of Brokeback Mountain and like everyone sniggering and feeling really homophobic. Oh. Or everyone was like, ooh, look, they're gay. And it was like this whole thing. And I was pleased to see that no, that, that did not exist in our audience. Everyone was just like, absolutely kind of bowled over by the film. But that's a 20 years ago. I think I, I, feel, I feel like society saying, has changed a lot, but right? But it has, yeah. but I'm just saying yeah. I love to see it in a big film like this. Okay, well, I totally, totally agree, Cathy. Amazing film. That's um, But in us. your mind, Dungeons and Dragons is better, which I respect. <laughs> so this is the problem with lists. <laughs> where you're like, it's really it's really arbitrary, really. To, you can't compare those two films. No. I mean, uh, but, uh, but, but we have a top five and I must put it somewhere. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, yeah, again, don't at me. I'm not saying Dungeons and Dragons is a superior you movie are, to though, all of us. That's fine because it's on your I, list. I just, I just personally ex- uh, liked it more. For now tell us what reason. your number one is because I can't imagine what it is. Now. I don't I'm think you're going to guess this. Okay. Um, my number one of the year is Past Lives ah. um, by Celine Song, which I, which you've spoken about already, and I agree with everything you said. But I think. You know, when I sat down to write this list, I was distinct, things were moving around a lot. You were making your list, you were checking it I twice. Checking it, I was just checking it several times. <laughs> and I think all the films in the top five kind of, I just put them at number one to see how it felt. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as soon as this got there, I was like, and then I started kind of comparing it to these other films. And then I, comp- I thought about um, how, how it made me feel and how kind of confident it was. And how impressive it was! It was that, so impressive. That I know. She, I know she's a, a, a playwright as well, but that she uh, um, that she she just like this is her first ever film, and she she says she has this great quote. If you read articles with her, Celine Song, where she's like, "Oh, I was like, I only realized I could make a film as I started doing it." That's incredible. <laughs> and I, she was just like, she already knew how to make films, and it's just and and it is what I think. What I love about this so much is that it's a really small film in a way and it, it, it because it's very quiet it's a very quiet film there's and it's with relatively no incident uh-huh. there is no it is, it is a familiar you could boil this down into a love triangle and the film itself comments on in its own text saying that if this were another if this were a hollywood movie then i would be the bad guy I and, know, and I we'd love all be that. and we'd all be shipping you two i love that line and and you and it is it's a perhaps you could look at it as on the nose but i think that's exactly the core of this this felt like real <laughs> by the way i was viewing him as the villain when and, he said and that and kathy was viewing it all wrong and it was frustrating <laughs> me during the movie because you just said you just kathy kept going just kiss her <laughs> and any time if that would have happened the film is the film doesn't give in to um tropes to hollywood trappings to clichés it just feels like three people primarily two people just who are real people who have lived experiences and this is something that happens to a lot of people I'm very grateful it never happened to me because I found the love of my life very early in my <laughs> life and it's spoiler it's you Kathy. <laughs> thanks dude um, I'm number one on your list but I often think I mean we, we spoke about this when we watched it um, we should say this film is about two people who kind of um, kind of were kind of flirting and had a had a had a sort of a connection, but it kind of never emerges, and they meet up several times throughout their lives, and this film spans decades. That's what this film is about. But I often think, you know, what if, you know, it just, it, it, it's, life is so funny, things can, you know, it is just, this, we're all just a series of atoms colliding into each other, and if one little thing happens, 
differently, um, then maybe you and I hadn't, it wouldn't have worked out. And then I would have spent 20, 30 years wondering what if, and that happens for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in this movie and the longing in this movie. And I think this and all of us strangers both portrayed human longing um, in such profound and beautiful ways. I felt like they were just these two actors who are just magnificent. Greta Lee and Tia Yu. Yeah, Just amazing. on screen and they are just sitting there sometimes in silence and you are just longing for them to, to, to get together <laughs> in, in the most simplistic way. Yeah. But the movie never spoon feeds you it never gives you what you want and it also never feels like it's just holding stuff back to be mean it just feels like these are two people bound by circumstance and the central i won't say what it is but the central concept of what the past lives things mean is beautifully explained and explored through the dialogue and it's a lovely concept which links in with korean culture um and i just found this so so this is such a mature adult film which mm-hmm. I think I, I needed amongst all the superhero noise this year. Yeah. Um, so it is, I think this is the best film of 2023 uh, for me. But but really, it's not as good as Dungeons & Dragons, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. It should have been your number one. Yeah. Right, today's number one of the year, Past Life. Now, should we do honourable mentions? Let's do it. Right. Sorry, we can't escape this wind. It's just following it's us. It's just following us everywhere. There's, there's orange warnings out. So of course But we will podcast We will always podcast outdoors We're in a quiet um, neighbourhood And I'm shouting Let's go this way My honourable mentions Shall I begin? You may begin and I'm presuming These are on yours list as well Barbie and Oppenheimer Can never be spoken about Separately, <laughs> separately. Ever again <laughs> We even For anyone who didn't listen To the episode We recorded them In the same episode Because we will jump On any trend And then we release them Both separately Yeah they, um, they are They are two of the three movies For me that almost cracked my top five. Same, and I, and I, I had them in to, and out, in and out. Um, yeah. But in the end, they weren't to be, but you know, absolutely. Thank you for your service to cinema this year. Barbie, to talk about that one for a minute. Uh, huge fan of everything about it. I absolutely loved going to see it twice in the cinema, actually. I've um, seen it twice as well. It's such a good film. There are I'm only three Ken. movies I watched twice. Dungeons and Dragons, Spider-Verse and Barbie. <laughs> I'm Just Ken is the soundtrack to our lives, our uh, three-year-old loves it yeah sings it all the time what a chew sometimes thinks he's ken and um, they were so desperate to see the movie when we put it on for them they were kind of like oh this is really boring our, our kids will, <laughs> they just wanted the dance numbers our kids will sometimes just one of them will just run it into uh, a room with us or with the other one and just scream i'll see you at the malibu beach <laughs> and then run it. away again and they have no idea what and that they means. bought me the dvd of barbie for my birthday and i don't think you bought me a dvd in about 10 years so thank it's you blue, it's a blu-ray oh sorry the just blu-ray just to be clear um, anyway, huge fan of Barbie in particular, of course, I'm just Ken sequence, but in fact the whole message, the feminist message, the, the visuals, the set design, you know, bring back real world sets, bring back proper movie oh. effects that are in CGI. Um, One of the best looking movies of the year. Love it. Um, so that's in my honourable mentions. I presume it's on yours as well. Yeah, that's it. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, stunning film. Love to see Killer Murphy at the helm. We've done a whole long Oppenheimer review, so we won't get into it, but, you know, quite a stunning achievement by Christopher Nolan. Um, What's so great about that movie is that, like, that film. could have been so boring. Yeah. And it isn't. And and uh, and it's, I, I've also found that really profound and moving. I know Christopher Nolan gets um, criticised for being a very cold, meticulous film director, but I found this to be, like, chilling. And, and I don't always 
like Christopher Nolan movies and I really loved Oppenheimer. Um, yeah, it's a great... These are both two fantastic, fantastic movies. Fantastic films. Um, and again, you know, nothing quite like the, the fanfare around them, which I absolutely loved. Uh, another film I saw this year that you didn't see, but oh. I did record an episode on this podcast with my friend Brona. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Oh, uh, lovely. As a, a very influential book on me as a young girl, um, I thought it was a fantastic adaptation. I absolutely loved Rachel McAdams as the mom. I loved the girl who played Margaret, and in fact, an actor from Oppenheimer. Benny Safdie, right? Is, is it? I think the dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely loved it it's a wonderful adaptation I recommend anyone who hasn't seen it uh, to go and watch it it's beautiful um, another one on my honourable mentions list Flora and Son yes I have this one too which is the latest John Carney movie uh, he makes great musicals this song has this film has you know some gorgeous music but particularly the song Meet in the Middle which we both love oh lovely song um, I really recommend that it's on Apple TV Plus it's just a lovely little movie um, if you're into musicals if you like John Carney go watch it Spider-Verse is on my honourable mentions because I really loved how it looked um, albeit I didn't like it as much as the first film but visually I find it a stunning film Foe I think <laughs> got an awful lot of slack this I wrote film. this down as well everyone was Foe was one of those films, so we try not to look at any reviews before we see a film, or in fact trailers. We <laughs> we gave Foe like a rave review. We loved Foe. And then I looked up the reviews afterwards out of curiosity. I was like, wait, are we the only people who liked it? It stars Paul Mascal again, fine, maybe we're a bit biased. It also <laughs> stars Saoirse Ronan, so again we're a bit biased because they're both wonderful Irish actors. I just really liked the story. I thought it was an interesting premise. It was an interesting setting. Me too. And F, I think, F the haters. Yeah, and I think the actors strike did an awful disservice to this one because I think if we'd seen Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mascala around promoting it, it would have just had a bit more noise about it. I just thought it was great. It was really interesting. Sci-fi. Different. I understand, again, you know, asking the question, is it is it clear why people wouldn't like this? Yeah, I think so, because the movie doesn't give, give you any clues to what's going on for yeah. three quarters of the you movie. You in there with Foe. Yeah. But just enjoy the visuals. I think it's a lovely looking film. Enjoy the performances. Enjoy the performances. They're both brilliant. Yeah, in this. think about it like a play. Yeah. Um, and finally, Dungeons and Dragons, because I had an absolute ball with this film. Best movie of the year. <laughs> Dave, your honourable mentions. Yeah. Anything <laughs> anything I didn't mention? Um, yeah, I got, I've got loads. Um, the other one which didn't make um, my top five, which might have made my top five, was Wonka. And I'm amazed you haven't talked about it yet. Oh my god. Did you forget about Wonka? He was supposed to be in my honourable mention. Thank you, Dave. Well, here it is. Okay, so Wonka, Wonka is, uh, I think, probably our... Wonka's my number six. <laughs> it was my number six <laughs> was on it? the list. It almost crept in. <laughs> yeah. And I think because I deleted it off my top five list, I then forgot to put it in my honourable mentions list. So thank you, Dave. I mean, Wonka, for, for me, was one of the year's biggest surprises because Absolutely. I... Not only did I, I, I think it looked terrible and I didn't want to see it, but I, I actively like just was hating it. Just the whole idea of a Wonka prequel just seemed Same. so morally, creatively bankrupt, and it just looked. But then and I it found just out went because we were like, well, we we want to go to the cinema this weekend and we want to bring the kids, so let's go to Wonka. That was it, kind of the decision. And it was such a delight because I didn't, but I didn't know it was by Paul King who directed the two Paddington movies and Mighty Boosh and. And it is just incredible. This soundtrack has been on repeat in our house. Oh my God. Uh, I think, and gives Barbie a run for its money uh, it, by Neil Hannon. It is, uh, so it's, it's a fantastic movie. Um, um, thank you, that's Wonka, my number six movie of the year that I forgot about. Two other movies, um, which, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, we have done a whole review on it, like we love Wonka. Yeah, you can listen to us talk about that. I'd also like to shout out, I mentioned them all, 
already uh, off the back of Spider-Verse, but Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, um, both really fantastic and f animated movies that look incredible. They took that Spider-Verse style, um, but also they are, they took the Spider-Verse style of having good characters and writing and, and incredible voice actors. The, t the turtles are finally teenagers, and I believe that they were teenagers. Didn't Jackie Chan is Splinter. I think we reviewed this on our feed. We did, you can go back not, and listen to our... we didn't review... We didn't review Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. I really liked Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots is, is a fantastic yeah, movie. I know we'll... And, and just like Wonka, you know, I looked at that and said, oh god are they still making these movies <laughs> and I thought it was a directed DVD sort of vibe no guys don't miss out on Puss in Boots The Last Wish it is legitimately hilarious yeah. and really kind of emotionally moving at times and looks fantastic and has one of the best villains of the year um which I can tell Cathy doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah, um, That movie just goes from here. <laughs> uh, I'll shout out a couple of horror films that, that were good this year. Um, beginning of the year, M3 Gan or Megan was, um, you know, not a great movie, but a lot of fun great at fun. the cinema. And what a brilliant character that is going <laughs> to live on in costumes and whatever. And sequels. For, and sequels for... Um, ten years time, we'll be talking about Megan 10. <laughs> oh yeah, this is, this is going to, this is a franchise builder, this one. Um, Evil Dead Rise, we both hated... Um, and it was nasty but needs an honourable mention because it is a really great horror film oh God, that, that was awful again made by a, an Irish person I had blocked um, that out of my mind I didn't even remember that film yeah yeah we both hated it and I wanted to leave but I acknowledge because uh, just because it's so nasty and horrible but I acknowledge that it is an incredibly good and well-made horror film. And our film. listeners are sadists because they all... We got a lot of feedback. It was people's favourite episode of the year because we were so upset by the film. <laughs> so upset. So thank you, sadistic Like, listeners. things happened in that which I'm still thinking about and don't want to. <laughs> um, but it's a great... I, I've, I'm a fan of the Evil Dead franchise. This moves it up a notch, does something novel with it, and has some really great scenes involving vinyl. Um, a <laughs> uh, couple of uh, um, movies that I thought were good that aren't good. You know Honourable Mentions is not just every film you've seen this no, year. No, 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 I've got some good ones. I, um, I, I would like to shout out um, The Flash and Fast X. In your Honourable Mentions? Yeah, for both for being movies which are objectively not good, but I really like both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we got a lot of hate for liking The Flash. Um, oh, but yeah, to, like hell, to, hell, to hell with all of you. What's like Because we liked it. We're the only people who like The Flash. <laughs> we were like, what a, what a romp. Uh, <laughs> the Flash is great fun. Nobody agrees with us and nobody went to see it. Um, best superhero movies of the year. Um, that that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, I thought I, I thought was quite good, and the Marvels did not deserve all they hated. Gotten is it fun not. little film fueled by misogyny. Let's just call Pro it out. Probably that is de almost definitely a fact. It's also not yeah. a very good film. It's but not great, but, but it's fun. But it was not as bad as Quantumania. No. Some of the best action of the year for me came from John Wick Chapter 4, which is a really long film with a stupid plot, as always. Um, <laughs> but it probably, yeah, easily the best choreographed action scenes of the year. Just insane stuff. And I will watch those scenes uh, again and again. He falls down the stairs about a hundred times, <laughs> and it's brilliant. Um, Sisu, another great film which came out this year. Uh, fantastic action in it. Um, and then the rom-coms I liked were Flora and Sons, you talked about, Rye Lane, um, and then Foe I put on the rom-com list for some reason. That's a, clearly a mistake. There was an ounce of yeah. com in Foe. <laughs> I acknowledge my mistake. <laughs> it's a sci-fi dystopian future. Look, it's right there next to, next to Flora and Sun. When I was writing this it's list, I was like... sci-fi dystopian It's a rom-com. 
Oh, Knock at the Cabin I liked as well, even hey, though Dave, at the ending. I repeat, this is not just a list of every film you've you seen. You say this, this every year, this but. Honourable mention. These are the good films I saw. Keep this it year. tight. Yeah. You just mentioned Fast 10. <laughs> uh, okay. I loved Fast now 10. We're take, Jason Momoa. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with best cinema experience, best scene, worst movies, and most disappointing movies. See you soon. Well, there's chocolate and there's chocolate. Only Wonkas makes your confidence skyrocket. Put your hand into your pocket. Get yourself some Wonka chocolate. Madam, just one kiss. Yes, please. You've never had chocolate like this. All right, we're back. Um, so we're going to do a couple of um, final categories to, to close us out. So firstly, best cinematic experience this year, Cathy. What was your best cinematic experience? My best cinematic experience. I have a couple for this. I'm sorry. I forgot. I, I remembered to put Wonka in this. Um, the reason it was probably my best cinema experience of the year was because we were completely taken by surprise by how good it was so that's a magical thing to happen the second the singing started i realized how good it was going to be and then for to see our kids when i say leaning forward in their seats like mouth wide open like in shock like they've never seen something this good they've never had chocolate like they've this. never had chocolate like this They've never sung songs as much as they've sung the songs in this movie. And Oscar, our eldest, knows all the words to a few of the songs. Like, he just sings... It's incredible. He's learnt them off. I, I was full of so much joy in the film. I literally, like, cried with joy. I left at the spring of my step. Uh, such a wonderful family viewing experience uh, of any age, I'd say. So if you haven't seen Monkey yet and you're listening to this, I, I would say, you know, over the holidays, if you can make it with some family members, I would suggest going to see... Wonka and then of course my other best experience of the year had to be Barbenheimer well what I had day. I had the same I best had the same two <laughs> I had the same two Wonka and Barbenheimer oh really yeah I mean why, unsurprisingly we were together and we had the two same best <laughs> cinema experiences but yeah for the exactly the same reasons Wonka yes Barbenheimer I mean what more could be said what a day we that was drove a, from one cinema to another cinema we to were, catch them both we were giddy <laughs> You know, I mean, you can go back and listen to our episode, but we were like, I was, I was high. I was hysterical. I was high on cinema. Yeah, it was. It so was, fun. An, it was an insane, beautiful day. I have never before or since seen our cinema full. <laughs> yes. So full. Yeah. There's so many people in the cinema. I was oh like, look God. at all these people who actually want to go to the cinema. Barbenheimer is my favorite thing. <laughs> right. Best scene of the year. A new category. New category. Will I tell you my best scene? Please tell me your best scene of the you year. You haven't seen the movie though. Oh, okay. It's the last scene of Saul. You're not going to spoil it, are it's you? It's the last scene of Saul. Oh, so you can't really talk about it, I, I guess. I can just tell you that Barry Kogan, what a man, what an actor, what a dancer. <laughs> okay. And that's all I'll say. He dances? If you know, you know. Okay. And if you don't know... Go and watch Saltburn. Then you don't know. Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I am intrigued and will watch Saltburn. Okay. I, um, I did land on a winner here, which will surprise you, not, not to clickbait it. Um... But, the, but I would like to call out two contenders which also almost hey, made almost made what's almost <laughs> made the best what's your scene best almost made the best scenes list are Barbie I'm Just Ken yeah which is a fantastic scene and the D&D heist scene because I can't stop talking about Dungeons and Dragons but Dave this is not but tell us your top three scenes this the scene I the scene I chose is my number one of the year because honestly it surprised me 
so much. I leaned forward. I could not believe what I was seeing. And it's in a movie that I did not think was good and is not going to be mentioned anywhere else in the, the 2023 list. But it's Strays, the movie what? with Will Ferrell <laughs> and, and whoever else playing, playing dogs, which honestly is not a great movie. I and, I don't, and we didn't really like it that much. I completely forgot this, but now But there is a scene. Which, oh, I know the scene you're talking which about. Which we've both seen. And I'm going, to, I'm going to just spoil the scene now. It's at the end. So if you don't care, keep listening. <laughs> if you have any inclination to watch this movie, Skip forward 30 seconds because the, 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 the scene that I'm going to spoil now, at the end of Strays, a movie which is about a dog try, who has been badly treated by its owner, played by Will Forte, and he's trying to return to his owner. And the other dogs convince him that he has been, and, and, uh, uh, and that point out that he's been terribly treated by this awful human and so he sets out it's a road trip movie I'm going to get in a road trip and I'm going to bite his balls off and then the movie does that he they they the four dogs hold him down and they play oh my god what's the song they play over it it's it's so you've seen Dave you should have done the research oh my god I don't remember but anyway um it's incredible though. they they just bite his balls off and uh it took me it shocked me yeah I my my jaw was on the floor I and I was like I never can't believe so much in my life. that this movie's doing this it was so funny and so that is my my best scene of the year I've decided great choice <laughs> but I argue that the end of Saltburn is better okay. right right Cathy your most disappointing film of the year my most disappointing film this year was I'm sorry to say it Tom Cruise Mission Impossible oh that's my most disappointing of the year as well what was he thinking well we love Mission Impossible we were so excited by Mission Impossible turns out Top Gun was a better Mission Impossible than yeah, Mission Impossible yes, was yes and this is another film that was absolutely ruined by the fact that it's a part that one that it's a part one yeah what? and also this movie could have this movie has an ending and could if you just took off that part one title and then just like it, it kind of ends and like we've done a whole review on it it has some great sequences there's like no cliffhanger here Mission Impossible it's just there's a literal cliffhanger it was too long and it wasn't punchy enough and it just did not do what it really really to me it did not live up to like the last Mission Impossible was so good and it was quite oh, the fall the last grace. few yeah. Quite the fall out I'm, from Grace. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm just saying I was disappointed in it. I completely agree. This is not a bad film. It's actually quite a good film with incredible action scenes. But it is. it just falls short of the standards by which it has set itself yeah. and the expectations that we had. Like um, when we turned to each other in Wonka after like five minutes and, and both in shock saying... God, this is really good. Yeah. Do you remember us turning to each other, Mission Impossible, and going, "What?" Yeah, the? we both had these faces, like, like. Hmm. <laughs> oh. It's like, and it's just all over the Something's place. Something's gone terribly wrong. It's got an AI villain, which it's is stupid. So crap. It, it's, right. In a, yeah, it's just not great. Um, On to the worst movies of the year. I have three. How many do you have? Are we not doing most surprising of the year? Did you not do that? Did I we didn't. not discuss that? Okay. This is surprising me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I already spoke about Wonka. Go. I think that's the most surprising film of the year for me. But the but the other one which really surprised me was Disney Pixar's Elemental, which looked really boring and I had no interest in. But actually, I th- I found quite quite sweet and lovely. Um, but did it surprise you? I was surprised by how good that was. Okay. Um, but the least surprising movies for me this year were 
two movies that this is not a category. delivered. Um, yes, it is. is I'm, it? I'm, 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 jump, I'm jumping in. <laughs> I've just created it. Least surprising okay, movie. Go for it. The least surprising movie this year was the Super Mario Brothers movie, which did absolutely made absolutely no effort to be interesting in absolutely any way or to surprise me. What um, about that amazing unlike, song, I'm Just Peach? Unlike the Lego. I'm just unlike the Lego movie for instance which came out a few years ago and just blew everyone's expectations out of the water and surprised me every five minutes this was just like oh can you imagine a Super Mario Brothers movie and everything that would happen in it um, well this is what happens and it was just really fine and dull but yeah it's second biggest movie of the entire year will made billions of dollars well, I believe our kids saw it three times yeah no no it clearly works for kids I just I think it's it's just so Nothing. Well, it's a interestingly, nothing movie. I was asking our kids what their favourite movies of the year was, and I reminded them of all the films they've seen, and neither picked Super Mario. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it didn't leave a lasting memory. No. Um, that's exactly it, though. It's just fast food. That's a fast food movie. Yeah. The other movie, which. Yeah, but that being said, Elliot, the three year old's best movie was Paw Patrol. <laughs> So, I <laughs> that, can't say that movie has substance. I can't say his taste is very good. My, my other least surprising movie of the year was the movie which delivered exactly what it said it would do, and that's the movie Plane with Jared Butler. I really enjoyed Plane. Yes, because it it's, it's it was about what a, I needed. It's about a plane, right? It's what I needed in that moment. Kathy, what is your Drum worst roll. movie? How many do you have on your worst list? Uh, Eighteen. No, really. No, <laughs> I've got one, but I'd like to shout out two, okay. two other ones. So, so I've three. Got three. So I'll start. Oh yeah, both. We both have three. Okay. okay. So my the top three, top three <laughs> worst list. In no particular order. Just mentioned by me, Paw Patrol, the Mighty. Oh. What a turd. That's mean. It's not mean. It's accurate. But it does what it's. It does. It, it delivers for its audience, right? It may deliver for a three-year-old. It does not deliver for me. It's very poor. And I think Paw Patrol in general is very lazy. But I would—they know it works, and they know it works for their desired audience, and they make no effort for it to work for the adults in the audience. And I just disagree with that as a strategy. I guess. I guess I was about to. I was about to defend Paw Patrol. We both fell asleep separately during that film. (laughs) Yes, but no. Just let let me finish. I was about to defend Paw Patrol (laughs) for because that's fine. It's fine to just have kids stuff just for kids. It's not. Uh, But then I thought, wait, wait a second. Bluey exists. Yeah. And Bluey is able to to do both. Exactly. Um. Paw Patrol's indefensible. Yeah. Okay, what's one of your third worst in no particular order? Um, I'm going to shout out uh, Cocaine Bear. Oh, wow. I forgot um, about that. Which is just, I thought, such a... It, it was also quite disappointing because it squandered its potential and was directed by Elizabeth Banks, who I really like and I think is a good director. Um, but this is just a comedy which is not funny. Yeah. I found it incredibly unfunny. It is a one-note joke of a movie. What if a bear got into a load of cocaine and was on cocaine? Which is admittedly hilarious and and, in, and it happened. Um, and this movie imagines what if it went on a, a rampage. But they are not able to wring two hours no. of a movie out of this and everything Should they wrote around it is terrible. Yeah. Just, just terrible. Should have been a sketch. Uh, okay. Uh, my other worst movie of the year of three is Quantum Mania. Yeah, that's my that's one of my. Funnily, other ones. after yeah, yeah. we reviewed it, one of my friends texted me saying, "You guys were too kind about Quantum Mania in your review," and I think that's because Dave and I always try to see the good in a film. So like, it's often criticism we'll get from like really filmy, particularly really like comic booky people. Maybe will say like, "Oh, you were too positive about this." Like the Flash, people were annoyed at us for being positive about the Flash, <laughs> yeah. albeit we enjoyed it. But the Flash is much try, better than Quantum like, We love the cinema and we love film, right? So we'll always try and come from a kind place when we're talking about a film and see the good in it. 
So while we may have been kind of somewhat positive about it in the initial review, albeit we did criticise it a lot, when I look back on the year as a whole, I think it was the absolute nail in the coffin for Marvel. It was the beginning of the end, rightfully so. It's yeah. terrible. You know, there was a point in time where Ant-Man was interesting. This ain't interesting. The CGI was awful. It was one of the ugliest looking films I saw this year. And it was just a big ball of pointlessness. Um, and you know, Michelle Pfeiffer deserves better. Dave, you're right. Everyone, it's just, it's just an, a it, lazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is one of the three. I, I'm, I, I thought it was a like, like, like you said. I think we were kind of, we were like, we were harsh on it when we came out, but we tried to find the good in it. But all that is left now at the end of the year is the bad. That's yeah. all I can remember from it. I can't, like, yeah, I can't remember. I, I can't remember a single good thing about so it. So many just weird, wrong choices. It didn't feel like an Ant-Man movie. It just fed, it entered into this weird world. It was they just were, set up for another Marvel movie. That's all it was. Yeah, and 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 and, and set up for a villain that they've now had to drop. So it's just an absolute mess yeah, over there at the mess. MCU. Finally. I think we've got the same worse. Five Nights at Freddy's? Of course, FNAF. <laughs> and I'm so sorry to all our listeners who like it. I know, I know, I know. And particularly, hi, Zombie Kitty. Uh, we know you love this this franchise. And many, this is an incredibly popular franchise. Yeah. And we so should we, say, an incredibly popular it. movie. Yeah. This movie cleaned up, cleaned up. at so the box office. Absolutely, have to categorize this. This is just fight. not for us. We've never played the video game, so we're not fans of it to begin with. And I think this film is built for fans, okay? So if you take out fandom and you take out a love, what you're left with is the most boring horror film you've ever watched. This is excruciatingly it's boring. 500 Nights at Freddy's <laughs> if every night was the most tedious <laughs> night of your life. I could not believe how boring this film was. I know it's made for very young audiences, so I appreciate there wasn't going to be a lot of gore. However, you can make fun films for young audiences. And uh, this ain't it. Again, see Bluey. You know, not a film, but like... <laughs> not a film and not a horror franchise. But like, yeah, I, I, w- I would go so far as to say... Um, I, I know a lot of... Um, a lot of the fans of this of the franchise did did like the movie but I don't think I don't I think it didn't do it any justice for the fans either well I don't I think you can make you can make an interesting movie for for the the, the fans of the thing but because the sounds like the video game is by all accounts very gripping and you're in one place and you're trying to manage things like like this is just Josh Hutcherson asleep yeah for a lot it's of the movie or just like th- there is no threat also and the, the um, thing so-called that is, twist now again it's made for people who haven't seen films such as Scream um, but for us they weren't twists they were just things that were signposted throughout the film and were waiting to be revealed yeah. to us it's a shame because there's a good movie in here there's some interesting ideas in it but yeah I can't I, and, I, and look again I'm glad it worked for um, so many people I'm glad people enjoyed it but for me this was the worst and <laughs> just squandered <laughs> film of the year and I hated every minute that I was in that cinema. Um, right, Cathy, does that bring us was to... Was that it? That was your, what were your three worst? That was it. Five, cocaine Bear, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania right, yeah. and Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, mine was Quantumania, Five Nights at Freddy's and Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie. I can't believe that wasn't on your list. No. Or it's so insignificant you just forgot about I, it. Well, I forgot. You can't really judge a movie fairly that you fell asleep for, <laughs> for most of it. And Mayor uh, Humdinger turned into a giant. I mean, what I mean, more wow. do you want? What a year in cinema. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you everyone for listening so much. And what we're going to do now is close out the episode with um, some of our patrons who have sent us in their best and worst movies of the year. Thank you so much to our patrons. We've had another wonderful year with you all. Um, we watch a retro movie every month with our patrons and um, they decide what we're going to watch 
Uh, it's so much fun. We kind of watch a lot of TV over there as well. And we do like monthly TV reviews and kind of episodic recaps. It's a great community. We just have like a basically the equivalent of a WhatsApp group in there. As yeah, well. it's so we're fun. Just, we're all just chatting. Um, and it is, yeah. And so thank you, by the way, to all of our patrons uh, this year for continuing to support us and helping us to make this show. Mm-hmm. And thank you to ev- all of our listeners yeah, as well. Absolutely. Anyone who's, who's stuck with us all these years. We were very fortunate as well this year to win uh, Best Arts and Culture Podcast at the Irish Podcast award which we're very um, grateful for uh, and again we couldn't have done any of this without the sort of support of uh, our listeners some of whom have been with us for seven or eight years yeah, right? um, and so we love doing this and uh, thank you uh, to Cathy you thank you for uh, being um, my lifelong partner that uh, that that I that I did find and don't have to experience the what if past lives style <laughs> thank you Dave um, you a wonderful podcast editor <laughs> That's all? That's all. (laughs) You're so lucky you found the podcast (laughs) editor of your dreams. I really did. Um, So thank you everyone for listening. If you want to give us an end of year present, we would love if you head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and give us five stars. It makes a really big difference to us. So if you haven't done it before, we'll ask that you do. Or just tell a friend. Tell a friend. And now here are our patrons with their best and worst movies of the year. But sorry, before we get to that, uh, the best TV episode is also coming. That's going to be coming tomorrow. Uh, And I'm also going to be talking about the best game of the year um, as always with Tom Silcock Bye Bye Hi Dave and Kathy I hope you're doing well so this year I didn't really go to the cinema too much but I do have four films that I'm quickly going to highlight so number one the Super Mario Brothers movie Godzilla Minus One that is Toho Company's new Godzilla film Puss in Boots The Last Wish I am counting this as a 2023 release because it came out in the UK earlier this year Dave and Kathy I know you didn't enjoy this film very much at all but I have to also include the Five Nights at Freddy's movie I've been waiting eight and a half years for this film and as a huge fan of the books and the games I really enjoyed it I saw opening day in a packed cinema, which is very rare for my local cinema. Uh, Some people were dressed up as some of the characters, and it was just a really fun experience. It's probably also my favourite cinema experience of this year as well. But that was my best of films for 2023. Dave and Kathy, I hope you have a good Christmas and a new year. Hello, my dear Cinemile, and thank you for all the miles that you've clocked in this year on 2023. Um, Best movie for me, Past Lives just loved it came out crying and any movie that makes me cry i absolutely dearly dearly love worst film is trigger because i kind of love everything but maybe ghosted that chris evans thing and i love chris evans i love any of Amos, but just didn't work so yeah maybe Oppenheimer, wow, um, it's just really fast three hours. I'm guessing that Christopher Nolan couldn't have thought it would have been such a success. Um, amazing sound and uh, Robert Downey Jr. was just excellent. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. That just took me right back to school. Loved this and Kathy Bates looked fabulous. Dungeons and Dragons, Honour Amongst Thieves, great fun and it had Jonathan. Dead Reckoning Part 1, just great fun. And Flora and Son, I really loved I loved uh, Eve Hewson in this and it was a shame not to see Kathy's mum. Uh, Napoleon was disappointing, but I'm going to do a second watch once it's streaming. Hey Dave and Kathy, Johnny Keys here. My favourite films of 2023 were The Holdovers, which doesn't come out till mid-January in the UK, but it's just absolutely incredible. Paul, Paul Giamatti. Um, if not that, the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. John Wick Chapter 4, Barbie, obviously, 
Um, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. It's so, so good. And uh, just the thrill fest that was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning uh, Part 1. Uh, worst films, Cocaine Bear, Hypnotic, Murder Mystery 2, and Ant-Man Quantumania. Hello, hello, hello from Gatwick North Terminal. I'm Sam Clements from the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. And I'm Louise Owen, also from the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. Uh, Dave and Kathy have kindly asked us for our besties and worsties of 2023. So I'm going to start. My favourite film of 2023 was Oppenheimer, which is very out of character for me, being three hours long. Um, bonus under 90 Minute recommendation, though, Rye Lane, now on Disney+. Plus. 82 minutes would recommend that. Uh, in order to not double up, I'm going to go for a different movie. I think my favourite film of the year is Asteroid City. Lovely stuff, Wes Anderson. My least favourite film of this year was A Good Person, directed by Zach Braff and, like Oppenheimer, also starring Florence Pugh. But this one was really not good. Such a miss. My worst film of the year was the Super Mario Brothers movie, just completely devoid of life. Hi Dave and Cathy, Stephen from Cambridge here. Thanks for all the podcasts this year. Um, I wanted to mention a few. Comedy First, Bottoms, Dumb Money, Theatre Camp, Joyride, Dungeons, Dragons, Pope's Exorcist, does that count? Horror, Pearl was a real highlight. Sisu, Evil Dead Rise, Talk To Me, Infinity Pool. True highlight for me though was seeing Stop Making Sense at the IMAX. First time I've ever seen that in the cinema and that was an amazing experience. Happy New Year all, bye bye. Hi Dave and Cathy, this is Kate. And Neil. From the States. And <laughs> this is our best and worst 2023 movies. Um, my best list includes Talk to Me. I just thought it was really original and kind of fun. And Saltburn, which I don't know why. I just can't get it out of my brain. It's like it just lives in there now. And I love it. And Thanksgiving because it was super fun. It's a really bad movie, but it was so fun. And Bo is Afraid, just because I love Ari Aster so much. And uh, I liked When Evil Lurks. That was kind of an interesting, different movie that kind of was really disturbing. Okay, Neil, what's your favorite? Oh, I liked The Meg, too, as well. So uh, to, to, to go on from there, The Meg, too, was probably my worst, because... You're no fun. It was just... A terrible movie that they tried too hard on. No. And we didn't need all the plot that they tried to shove into there. Um, so that's my worst. <laughs> um, best. Uh, Bar- Barbie and Oppenheimer were obviously good, but everybody on this podcast knows that. So I think I agree with Kate. I think Saltburn was really good. And maybe some of you haven't seen it. So that's definitely one to check out. And my worst was Saw 10 because I... I just want a dumb, gory Saw movie, and they tried so hard to, like, give it plot, give it meaning. Jigsaw was doing, like, capital A acting, and I just didn't want it. I want traps, so that was why it was bad. And then Five Nights at Freddy's, because it was super lame and, like, not gory at all and not creepy at all. And I had Tetris on there because Neil was super excited about Tetris, and how can a movie about the KGB be boring but it was fucking boring so hey dave and kathy just want to share my best and worst of movies this year so best movies number one tetris mission impossible dead reckoning part one barbie fast x and oppenheimer 
And the worst movies I saw this year, only four. The Marvels, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, just didn't live up to the, the other Guardians of the Galaxy. Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania. And then finally, Time Travelling Indiana Jones. Um, it just let me down massively. I'd put it also as number five if I could enter it twice. Hello, this is Tim. I'm waiting for the bus in Staines. And my, uh, well, here's my list of best to worst films I saw at the cinema this year. Uh, number one was Taylor Swift Era's Tour, which I know is weird, but it was the best experience I had in the cinema. Uh, then Matilda, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Wonka, Theatre Camp, Barbie, The Flash, The Fablemans, Talk To Me, Guardians of the Galaxy, Across the Spider-Verse, Indiana Jones, Elemental, and very last was Super Mario Brothers. Thanks. Love the show. Cause I'm just kidding. Anywhere else I'd be Is it my destiny to live and die A life of blonde fragility I'm just kidding Where I see the love she sees a friend Hi, my name is Kay Adams and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.